Wonderful. Welcome to the Paradise Paradox. My name's Aaron Battle. You see me here, sitting on the front stairs of the main pyramid of Tulum, the principal pyramid of Tulum. I uh, had to cross a few no-entry signs and jump a few gates and fences. Well, really, it was only, it was only a little bit of rope that said, don't pass. But um, how often are you in Tulum? You need to make it worth your while. It's really hot. Like, I'm talking super hot. And sitting here on top of the, on the, on the front stairs. I was hoping no one sees me, seeing how long I can make it. But I can actually see the full horizon and it's literally just green all the way around like as if I'm just looking across forest or I don't know beach bush I'm not sure what you call it but it looks absolutely amazing uh, Tulum is just I mean the the weather and the, the tropicalness of of this area of the world is brilliant now there's just so many ruins here it's actually so much larger than what I thought it was just looking at the pictures I imagined you know one or two pyramids on the beach which is quite uh it's just so fresh and bright and colorful. It's very impressive. Uh, I, I, my plan was to come here and jump in the water straight away to get refreshed, but it just appears that I, I couldn't actually get to the water because last week, it's like there was a whole lot of dead fish and uh, dead seaweed just all, just all float up on the beach, which is actually the whole area because I noticed quite a bit in play the cardamom where I've been staying the last couple of days as well, which is very... Uh, I, it's a little bit dirty, it makes. I mean, it didn't, it didn't bother me too much. I still went for a swim. But uh, anyone that doesn't like the feeling of seaweed, or doesn't like getting prickled, it's, uh, it wasn't cool. Getting down here to Tulum, uh, there's guys selling you stuff everywhere. But it wasn't, that wasn't too much of a problem. I had a bit of a chat with one of them. They invited me into a, to a restaurant. What I wanted to know was uh, I wanted to ask him about this drink that I found online that is called... Balche, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but I imagine it would be like some kind of, of pulque because it's a, what it is, it's a fermented honey. It's a fermented honey mixed with some tree bark. Um, the tree, I believe, is actually called the balche. Now, I, I asked the, the dude at the restaurant on the way in whether he has any or where do I find some. I mean, a fermented drink, fermented honey drink mixed with bark. Sounds like something spiritual pathways, I'm in. Give me, a, give me a shot, load me up. It's a thick liquor, almost like a smooth honey with some kind of alcoholic background, um, really thick. Because I asked him to, to serve me some up. He didn't have any, but what he did have, he prepared a bottle of the Bentum. I, I'm not sure if that's how you, how you say it or if that's what it is, but um, it was absolutely delicious. And it was, it was almost like... Uh, it was very short. It was a very short drunk, but you instantly felt this this higher energy, this this happiness. The actual the actual bottle said, uh, you know, full of Mayan energy, which I thought was which I thought was great. Very interesting. These the architecture wasn't built for um, people like us, like our height, our stature. Like if you look around, a lot of the rooms and the doors are actually really quite small. I'm talking maybe like a meter and a half max. You gotta check them out. Also, another interesting feature of Tulum is this huge, thick stone wall that's around the whole city. 
you really got to see the maps to, to get it. Um, but there's like this big, thick stone wall that he pins it against the beach. But it makes it look like uh, some kind of fort. I've heard of these cities being described like a computer because of the design, the way it's laid out. Quite often they resemble circuit boards or electronics. Now, the most common example of this is the city of Teotihuacan. This, this leads me to some alternative thought, some knowledge from, uh, <laughs> I think they got me. Some knowledge from a, um, from a, a fellow human. He, he talks about how in 1985, he came out here and planted some crystals to re, to re, uh, sharpen. Hola, como estas? No? I think they want me to go. To be continued. So overt, it was covert. Apparently not. New scene. Okay. So we got off the bus. We got off there. It's like a, a transporter or like a high ace van. It costs about 40 pesos to come down here. And uh, we stopped right at the front of a little restaurant. Of course, all the people are out there and they're trying to sell to you. They're trying to wave you in. Hey, have you booked? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Whatever. So, of course, you know, we haven't had breakfast yet and we left the house pretty early. So we decided to stop at a restaurant. And, of course, I mean, there's a big sign out the front. Two for one margarita. So there was no doubt I was going to fuel the margarita for breakfast. Um, that was interesting because, of course, we stayed and we ate. And uh, six margaritas in, um, I decided to ask a few questions like, hey, you know, you're a local. What do you think? Uh, this is one of the bar staff. It's like, you know, what do you, what do you think of, of Tulum? Have you been here long? The guy's only been here working for a year. But he, he still had a good view. Um, you know, he, he said he's checked out a couple of times. And, of course, the big mystery is where did all the people go? We're talking about civilization. 800 AD and reached their peak in 900 AD. So, of course, their peak of, of their art and their culture, their society, their, uh, their civilization. I'm not sure if they had a democracy. Perhaps, perhaps not. Uh, we think we do, apparently. So, where did they all go? This is so, big question that everyone wants to ask. Um, following the work from a uh, fellow human of mine, um, Drunvalo Melchizedek, he seems to think, well, for reading his book, he released a book, uh, Serpent of the Light. Now, in this book, it was basically stories of, of his journeys and recharging the, the planet Earth, looking for, the, the scene that I'm actually really interested in is where he actually came to Tulum. Now, this was in 1985, he decided to come to Tulum because he had, this, he had this message that came to him and he didn't know what, he, what exactly he needed to do, but he knew exactly what he needed to do. And he came here uh, with a bag of crystals and he needed to leave the crystals in strategic places around these pyramids so that could reactivate the energy of the area, um, all in turn to reactivate the, the, the net of consciousness. Because he talks about how there's three different, 
three different grids, energy grids around the planet regarding the human being. He explains the theories on, on how all animals have this energy grid where uh, I believe you can probably jump across to morphic fields and understand like where an animal is born, it already knows what to do and how to behave based on the knowledge that it can access in this grid or morphic field. Drunvalo Melchizedek explains that there's three different types. The old energy grid, you've got the, the current energy grid, and you've got the new energy grid that's like the, the evolution. It's often called the Christ consciousness or the, I guess for me, it's the next level. Of, of human being where we're all evolving to. So he placed a crystal here in front of below one of these pyramids. Now it was 1985 so of course there wasn't all these little walkways and ropes and sticks and barriers so you can't get in. So of course I just jumped one but I guess he would have been able to walk around here and do whatever he wanted freely. He's planted the, the crystal and if you keep reading the book it actually goes on to a, a lot more detail and interesting stories at what happened. They came here to do a, a meditation ritual and to to talk to the energy of the land. But what actually happened was actually quite more interesting. I do recommend you read this book. But he was able to to talk to the ancestors. Now if I could talk to the ancestors the question would be guys where did, where did you go? Why did he just leave everyone in such a rush? I guess what he says was, is that they're still here. The ancients are still here, but they evolved to a level where they could house a beam of light, a beam of light, or almost like light plasma. Like they didn't, they didn't have to encase themselves in this material animal human shell. Oh, that, that opens up a whole new level of, of questions and, and thought. But it does explain the, the, the later thoughts and the later ideas of these plasma people. Plasma people, are, these, are, these are the people, are the little the beings. Apparently they're only like a meter or so tall. Um, a little correlation with the architecture that we see around here. Well, anyway, these, these plasma beings still live here in apparently big sacks, big yellow sacks, like almost like crystalline uh, energy cities below Mexico, which apparently 50 plus kilometers round crystals that are, uh, that are below, below the, the earth. I believe there's one underneath Mexico City and where you can see that these, these ships and their plasma ships, the plasma people, which enter through the volcano of Mexico City, Popocatépetl. And, uh, and that's where they live. I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure at all that. I, I like the idea. It sounds very Indiana Jones. It's very cool. But, uh, you know, I think people like me need to stay a little grounded when you stay in, in the real life or we're going to slide down a slippery slope of craziness and you mightn't see me for a very long time. But, uh, but that, that book is called The Serpent of the Light, written by Drunvalo Melchizedek, uh, particular stories of 1985 and his adventures through Mexico absolutely brilliant. Now, um, the reason why I wanted to come to, to Tulum is because not only is it is one of the wonders of the world, it's just amazing. The, the water should normally be blue. Um, they're not too sure what happened with the plague of the fishes. I'll show you some photos. It's very interesting. Otherwise, I brought my swimmers. I was ready to go for a swim, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen. But, uh, but overall, the reason why I wanted to come to Tulum 
was because Tulum is the city, is the, the throat chakra of the Mayan civilization. Throat chakra in Sanskrit is Visula. And apparently this is the, it's, it's at the base of your neck, almost uh, back towards your spine, and it's directly connected to your thyroid. If you're not up to date with your chakras, look them up. There's seven chakras. So this is number five. And it's, uh, it actually helps you with verbal communication, with your creative expression. It's essentially a connection to the universe and all interactions with sound and vibration. And anyone that's done their science homework, sound and vibration is our complete realm, is this complete experience of the material. The material is the dancing energy. So the dancing energy materialized. That's your perspective, your reality. So it's extremely important to make sure that your, that your fifth chakra, that your throat chakra is in tune. Now, uh, online there's many different meditations. When you have good energy in your, in your throat chakra, you don't seem to have issues with, with uh, voicing your opinion. You seem to communicate very well. On the other side, if you have issues with your throat chakra, you sometimes have pain in your, in your jaw, you have trouble expressing yourself, you sometimes feel uh, anxious or shy when you need to speak in public, when you need to talk in front of people. Something that I think, I guess we all do. We all do. No, who, nobody likes public speaking. So do a little fifth chakra meditation and get that energy level right. Just going back to the, the Mayan people. First things first. It was, uh, it was very common, fashion almost. It was fashionable to, to put boards on the front of their, of their children's heads as babies to press the front of their foreheads so they had like a, they had like a front, like a, a flat front face. Um, this was apparently very common in the higher upper society of the, the Mayan people. So uh, I'm not sure why they would, they would do that, but it does explain why there's a lot of Mexican people with, 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 flat, with flatter style faces. I don't know, is that an epigenetic thing? Can that follow through? And the question is, why would they do that in the first place? Like, why would they be interested in, in doing that? What were they trying to replicate? Or what, what was so fashionable about having, having like a, a front flat forehead, nose, or just like a, a front face? So they're trying to, to lift the skull a little bit, to grow like a taller head. Uh, I'm not too sure. I'm only basing that on, on artwork that I've seen. But there, there's a good question. And uh, this, this drink or the whole people had this, this serious connection with the higher realm. It was like this gateway to like the spiritual and, and mental realms. They, they were all aware of there being more to life than just this physical. So perhaps that's why they could live so, so simple and almost look like they lived in harmony. To have a civilization around for 300 years, that's what I mean, led to believe. The... Uh, this, uh, this idea of society of purification, where the whole idea was to, to evolve, the whole notion of, of living, they understood that this is a, is a, pure, that this is a pure realm of, of dream, to be able to, to purify the material, the human body, and then manifest or manifest a gateway to a higher intuition, where they didn't need to, to worry about, they didn't need to worry about, about living in the future, where they could focus on just being so present in the moment, enjoying the synchronicities of the natural life. Other interesting facts 
create the zero. Their number system for that, for that era was, uh, was one of very few where they're able to articulate nothingness. They had a number system from zero to 20 where zero had its own place. I didn't realize, but apparently that's something that people of that time didn't have. I guess the, the similarities between the understanding of the chakras of the planet and the energies. We look across to the east in the Indian civilizations and the Chinese civilizations, I believe they had a similar notion. It maybe appeared new to explorers that arrived where they had people at such a primitive level that were able to articulate nothingness. It's, it was a new idea. Oh, I don't know, maybe they were able to achieve that through this drink of Balche. So to wrap it up, I guess we're left with the questions. After all the cultural achievements of their art, of their architecture, of their knowledge in astronomy, why were the cities abandoned? And where did the people disappear to? Theories have developed through many years, such as perhaps there was a war, perhaps disease, perhaps scarcity. Other theories suggest maybe climate change. I thought that was late propaganda, but I don't know. History does seem to repeat itself. Either way, you can see there's still a lot of Mexican people here that are descendants from the Mayan people. So, I guess they didn't all just disappear. However, the cities were abandoned. To continue enjoying the adventures of the Paradise Paradox, jump onto your YouTube and subscribe. Jump onto Facebook and press like. Follow us, pop down, notifications, all that. Or just jump on our website, www.theparadiseparadox.com and check out the latest episodes. Peace. Cut, new scene.